Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you're new to the show, I'd like to say welcome. If you're a returning listener, I'd like to say welcome back. Before we get started, I'd just like to ask you a favor. If you're currently streaming this episode, would you mind stopping it and downloading the episode and then listening to it? It's a good way for me to keep track of the downloads. And to be honest with you, the more downloads I get, the more I get paid. I would really appreciate it if you wouldn't mind doing that and maybe do it for all the content creators that you enjoy listening to. It's a great way for us to keep track of the downloads and put a little extra money in our pocket. So if I could ask you for one favor, that would be it. Now on to the show. Nystrom, Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The pop drop, the pop drop. Just a minute, Al Arbor has won mm-hmm. four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. This is Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box, your source for Islanders Enforcer Talk. Proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Joe Lazito. And welcome to episode 135. We're digging up the lost episodes again tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this. We've now dug up part two of my interview with Mick Vakoda. I'd just like to thank everybody who um, sent me some feedback on part one. And a lot of people that uh, listened to part one uh, listened to it originally when it was originally released. But um, the reason why we're digging up these lost episodes is because they were nowhere to be found on any of the platforms. So uh, so I'm really happy that some new people got a chance to listen to, uh, to the interview. Uh, maybe listeners who were not aware of the show back then. Uh, remember, these, these lost episodes were... Um, the, the earliest episodes I ever did. So uh, <laughs> I was going to say before I made a name for myself, <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Well, before I had the following that I have, that's a pretty safe way to put it. Um, this was, this was one of my earlier episodes. All these lost episodes uh, were the first, you know, it was episodes one through nine and uh, it probably is about 13 episodes, but um you know, with Mick, it was three episodes, and uh, thank you, everybody, for the feedback on uh, part one, and this is part two, and uh, as always, I hope you people enjoy it. But before we get to that, if you're on social media, be it Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, if you scroll down to the episode notes of this very episode, you will find links to all three of those platforms, so uh, if we're not connected on social media already, please kick 
kick, please kick the links. I mean, kick your computer or kick your phone. Uh, please click on those links. See, I didn't bring a drink down here with me. This is going to fuck me over tonight. But let's let's power through. Focus, focus. Let's power through. Click on those social media links and we will be instantly. Well, we won't be instantly connected again. It, really, it's up to you. You'll be instantly brought to each of those platforms and it's up to you to uh, like or follow or friend request. It's all on you folks. You people, you know, you have the final say. So uh, definitely uh, let's connect on social media if we are not already. Also, you will find a link to Islanders A to Z, the fantastic children's book written by Joe Buono and illustrated by Mighty Joe Marisich, the artist who designed the logo for this very show. So um, if you appreciate art, if you appreciate tunes, I don't mean the tunes like Terry Ryan always talks about, but I guess the the cool kids, they say tunes, short for cartoons. Um, you've seen Joe Marisich's work aside from my logo. If you're an Islanders fan, a Jets fan, a Mets fan, a uh, fan of New York Sports Radio, his work has passed through your social media feed and you know he's excellent. Uh, and this book, Islanders A to Z, was illustrated by Joe, and it's fantastic. Definitely click on that link and check out the book, and I'm sure once you do, you'll be ordering it. And also, if you have an art project that you need done and you'd like Joe Marisich to do it for you, uh, you can reach him on Twitter at GraphicsJoker or via LoudEgg.com. Now, as I stated earlier, I'm a proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network, each team has at least one podcast. I believe there are now slightly over 100 shows on this fine network. And I actually went and looked. There are three Islanders podcasts on the network. Now, why did I look? Because I actually went and reached out to the network this week and asked to have my logo moved from the team podcast over to the original content side. It hasn't been done yet, but I'm sure managing this many shows, it, um, you know, it's time consuming and I don't know how difficult it is to, to move that, but uh, I'll be sending an email tomorrow morning and uh, hopefully we get that taken care of. But when I checked to see where my show was, I did notice there are three Islanders podcasts on the network and um, give them all a listen. I'm assuming most of the people listening are Islanders fans. Um, if you're an Islanders fan, definitely uh, check them all out. Make your own decisions, and um, you know maybe add it to your to your uh, you know podcast rotation. Obviously, after this show, of course, which I was going to say goes without saying, but then I said it, so I'd be full of shit. So um, three Islanders shows, but every team has at least one show. Now, sooner rather than later. My logo will be moved to the original content side. And who will I be joining? Well, the four horsemen of the hockey fight podcast genre of the Hockey Podcast Network will all be reunited again in our logos. Number one is the Fourth Line Voice podcast with Darren, who right about now, let's see, what time is it? It's 8 o'clock here on Thursday night, which I think means it's 5 o'clock in Vegas or 6 o'clock. So I'm assuming Darren is probably taking advantage of one of the all-you-can-eat buffets. Hopefully not Circus Circus because I had that years ago and it was the worst. Um, although I would hope they would have improved by now. Um, I'm sure he's taking advantage of the slots or I don't know if he does the hardcore gambling. I know he's 
I know he likes to um, to gamble, um, but I would say he's probably at this time of the night, maybe six or seven rolling rocks in, and enjoying a buffet. The night is still young in Vegas, though, so who knows where it's going to take him. But being the good sport that he is and the team player that he is, while he was en route to Vegas, his latest episode dropped, and that was a fine interview with Jonathan Aitken. Uh, you might know Jonathan if you are um, a fan of the Western Hockey League, uh, Bruins, Blackhawks. Uh, they're minor league affiliates. I got to – I don't want to say I got to know Jonathan, but um, he was on – when he was with Chicago, he spent some time with Norfolk. And um, when I when uh, Norfolk would come to Philadelphia, which is where I was living at the time, that's where I got to know a bunch of the people with the organization. And I was able to do the Norfolk fight tapes every year. So um, I got to talk to John quite a bit back then. Uh, probably wouldn't remember me from Adam right now, which I there's nothing memorable. But uh, John was a great, great guest, great stories. Um, so I would urge you to not only check out the latest episode with Jonathan Aitken, but check out the entire back catalog of the fourth line voice. Now it'll take you a while. He's well over 300 episodes. So you might want to go in and cherry pick ones that are more interesting to you. And the one thing I want to tell you is you might be looking for guests. Don't sleep on the solo episodes with him because, uh, especially the last year, year and a half, his solo episodes, uh, chef's kiss. My week on the internet, my favorite thing that he does on his show when he doesn't have a guest. I love my week on the internet, so definitely check that out. Five for Fighting podcast with Alec, Dar the last guest Darren had on before, Jonathan Aiken. Now, um, Alec, as I said last episode, he's got balls. He said, uh, I'm going to have Luke Gatzik on. And lo and behold, I saw a graphic today on Twitter, tomorrow He's dropping the episode with Luke Gadsik. So great job. Easy for me to say. Great job, Alec, getting Luke on. I'm really looking forward to listening to that episode. Alec, of course, a uh, proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, also has a deal with Hit Club Hockey. And um, they also have some – they support the guys. You know, they support the boys. And uh, it's not really for me to pump their tires. Alec will do that. But uh, I perused their site a little bit last night and uh, – you know, I'll, I'll let you know what happens in the future, but it looks like they're doing some really good things over there at Hit Club Hockey. So uh, I can't blame either one of them for getting involved with the other. And of course, the fourth horseman, Jordan from Five in a Game. Not sure when he's coming back, but definitely check out his back catalog. He's he's relatively new to this. He did an episode with Darren and he caught the bug and uh, job well done so far, kid. So uh, so you have some time. Check out his back catalog as well. So that's Fourth Line Voice Podcast, Five for Fighting Podcast, and Five in a Game Podcast. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review all of those shows along with this one. And after you're done with that, check out the corresponding YouTube channels of the same names. Now, of course, Tales with TR, the biggest fish on this network. Big, big day coming up for TR uh, tomorrow. And, and when I say tomorrow, it could be midnight tonight. Uh, Shorzy season two drops in Canada, in Canada. So for all you folks that are listening north of the border, you lucky sons of bitches, I'm very jealous. So uh, I cannot wait for season two to drop. Uh, big week for me that week. So uh, if you're in Canada, you can watch Shorzy season two probably at some point overnight, maybe at midnight. 
We have to wait for October 27th. That's a big week for me. I get uh, my knee scoped on the 24th. And, uh, you know, hopefully, unless uh, it gets postponed again, thank you, insurance. But uh, if you're in Canada, definitely check out Shorzy Season 2, starring TR, Terry Ryan. Uh, great guy, longtime friend, and the king of this network. And, um, again, if you're in the States here, of course, we have to wait until October 27th, sons of bitches. Anyway, I am a uh, game use collector. Um, I collect game used items, uh, sticks, gloves, helmets, jerseys of enforcers, uh, mostly focusing on the Islanders and the Quebec Nordiques organizations. But as I say, I will listen to anybody, uh, any player, and uh, maybe it's something of interest. So if you have something and you say, well, there's no way he'd be interested in it, I might be. So definitely reach out to me. Today's guest, Mick Vakoda, fortunate enough to have a, a bunch of sticks. I have uh, his game-used Tampa jersey. Uh, no helmets, no buckets of the mixture, and uh, and no mitts. So um, I don't know where those things are. Well, actually, I do know where one a pair of mitts is, but they're not going anywhere. Um, if you have anything of mixture that you think you might want to uh, to part with and add to my collection, definitely please reach out to me because I'm always looking to add some more McVicoda items. Now, ladies and gentlemen, right now, we it is uh, September 28th, and I have the first installment of the 2023-24 New York Islanders slash Bridgeport Islanders. I'm going to do my best not to say Sound Tigers anymore. Fight report. We're two games into the preseason. We had one fight the other night, and that was Ross Johnston against Matthew Rempe of the Rangers. Um, it was a chippy game. Uh, well, <laughs> if, if you were taking a – if you had a few beers, say, around 6 o'clock, and you had to take a piss around 7.05, you missed the first two Rangers goals because they happened right away. Uh, then they added a third one very quickly. Um, the Rangers have a player named Vincent Trocek who's – um, I'm going to say a pussy. He's a punk. He's dirty. And um, he went knee-on-knee with uh, Maggio, one of my favorite prospects here for the Islanders. Uh, Maggio took it like a man. He uh, he came back. He played in the game. And, um, of course, when Ross Johnston went to, uh, you know, equal the score, uh, Trocek just laughed at him. And it was funny because there is some, some guy on Twitter who doesn't follow me, and I don't follow him. Of course, he, I don't know if he does a search, like he's a troll, I don't know. Um, and he basically was saying, well, he just laughed at him. And I'm like, well, of course he laughed at him. He doesn't have to fight Ross Johnston. Trocek can't fight. Um, and he doesn't have to fight him. You don't, there's no accountability anymore. So he can be a douche and be a pussy and sit there on his knees and laugh at him because he knows he doesn't have to do anything. He can play like an asshole. And unless Johnston jumps him, he's never going to have to pay for that. So, I must, the kid, I'm going to call him a kid. The kid, he had to be a kid because he doesn't obviously understand uh, how things used to be when the players could police themselves or he's just a troll. He, it's like I try to, you know, I'm trying to do God's work here and educate the youth of how hockey is supposed to be played. Um, Trocek left at Johnston, not because he doesn't think that Johnston won't beat his bag into next week because he will, he's laughing because he doesn't have to do anything. Thank you, NHL. Thank you, David Branch. Thank you, everybody involved in neutering this once great game. 
for that. But later, uh, after the first period, you had um, this Matthew Rempe, who's a fucking monster. He's a big kid from the Western League. Him and Ross exchanged words at the end of the first period, and then they dropped him in the in the second. And, um, you know, Rempe handled himself well. <laughs> it, it's pretty funny. Um, the same troll said to me, oh, Ross just got beat up. And I'm like, beat up. I mean, listen, did Rempe landed the best shot of the fight? <laughs> Neither guy got beat up. We're sort of playing, um, <laughs> like, I don't even know what to say. We're, we're playing, uh, you know, uh, we're broadening the term beat up here. Nobody got beat up that night. I mean, give me a break. Um, Rempe, Rempe did land a good shot. And, uh, you know, I hope this kid develops and I would love for him to to play 10 years. You know, I, I, he still seems like he's a little raw. I think he spent last year in Hartford. Maybe he needs another season down there for some seasoning and uh, maybe some tutelage. Get, get Well, I don't know how many veterans you can have down there, but, but I like to see that. I'm not uh, an idiot that says, well, the Rangers this, the Rangers that. I like seeing a kid like Rempe get a, get a chance to play. So uh, they play again tomorrow night. I'd love to see a rematch. Uh, Rempe could cause some guys problems just because of his sheer size. Eventually, these you know guys that fight professionally, guys that get paid to fight, they'll figure out a way to get inside. Like, you know, the best example of that is Eric Cairns. If you compare his Rangers stuff when he was big, but raw, and then you compare his Islander stuff when he learned how to use his size, it was a lot easier to get Eric Cairns as a Ranger than it was as an Islander. But, um, I, you know, hey, it was nice to see. It's nice to see fresh blood coming in, but um, I'm not going to rant too much right now about um, the state of fighting. I'm going to save that for my uh, season preview. I'm going to do that. So that's something for you to look forward to when I do that in uh, air quotes. But, uh, but yeah, you know, hey, good showing for Rempe, and uh, it's nice to see Ross in uniform because, you know, once the regular season starts and he's limited to two games a month, I'm going to be pissed, and um, yeah, it's a joke. I mean, it's just a joke, but again, I'm, I'm going to save that, save that for the preview, but uh, there's your first installment of the Islanders, New York, and Bridgeport fight report for 2023-24. Folks, I, I know it must sound like I'm on... <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm all over the place, like I'm all amped up and jacked up. And it just reminded me of another host <laughs> just made me laugh. But um, no. So that so that's it for the report. And um, I'll end it with this. So this is part two of my interview with Mick. And I know um, in Darren's intro, um, he's always been very kind to me where, where he said this to him. Uh, my interview with Mick is the best enforcer interview ever done. And and that's very humbling for someone like Darren to say, because he's done his fair share of interviews. Like I said, he's, he's in, uh, I think I want to say like 338. He's up to that episode. So he's done a lot of interviews and uh, you know, so when I hear that, it's very humbling and, and, and the Vakoda one and the Trevor Gillies uh, interview, probably the two that I get the most feedback on in terms of compliments. Um, Ironically, those are the two longest ones, which, you know, for, for some people that say, oh, how could you do such long interviews? Aren't you afraid you're going to lose people? Well, probably the two interview guests I've had where we had the longest interviews were the two that I got the most feedback on, and it was all positive. Uh, so I guess there's that. But, um, you know, every time I hear Darren say that, it, it's great. It's really nice of him to say that. And, uh, 
you know, I, I again I give all credit to the to the guest. Mick was unbelievable. Um, you kind of know when you're interviewing somebody how the interview's going to go. Uh, there are some guys that are very open, like Mick's an open book. I mean, he was phenomenal. You might interview some other guys, and you know they're hesitant to open up, and that's fine too. I mean, it, everybody's different. So, um, but this was one of the most fun interviews I had, and and you know what, every interview I've done has been a blast. But I think because of the history that I have with Mick, I've known him for so long, uh, it just flowed. And, um, you know, I, I already went on about Mick in the last episode, and I'm sure I'll go on a little bit about him in part three. But uh, but again, I, I want to thank everybody for listening to part one, and uh, I hope that you people enjoy part two. So after these commercial messages, stay tuned for part two, the lost episodes with Mick Vakoda. And please, everybody out there, do me a favor. You people, everybody listening right now, please stay safe. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw down five on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football is more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. So this brings us to the 88-89 season. Uh, in uh, the season before, you spent the majority of it in Springfield. You played 17 games or so with the Islanders. So going into that training camp, uh, was the, the role, the heavyweight role, was that yours for the taking? I'm not sure if it was mine for the, for the taking because there were a lot of guys that absolutely are capable of doing that. But, I mean... <clears throat> I think I mentioned earlier that, you know, Brian Kern was the, you know, guy um, for the Islanders, and Dale Henry was probably secondary. But most teams had like three or four guys, like heavyweights. And um, I think because the Islanders were so tough from, you know, goaltending all the way through captaincy they didn't really need like you, you know your predominant guy like they didn't need like a, a, a heavyweight um, so I, I think what happened is I just looked at the opportunity and I was like I'll, I'll go in there and it's Brian Curran um, and all these other teams in that 
you know, back then it's the uh, Patrick division. It was just crazy. You know, like everybody had two or three heavyweights. So I was like, let's go. Like, if I'm going to go fight, go fight all these guys I know, which is kind of how I <clears throat> ended up on, on the island. So um, in, I think this was the season, if my research is correct, that uh, in the next exhibition game, I think it was on the island, is this, did you fight John Cordick twice in the game? Uh, I don't know if I fought him twice. I fought him, um, I know I beat him up good. And it, it was weird because I knew he's a lefty and I know he's wicked tough. And he's older than me. So, you know, and the background, Joe, is he's Croatian and yep. my family's Serbian. So there's like a little bit of that, mm -hmm. like, which I don't think he cared about, nor did I. I think we all felt like, you know, back in the day it was Yugoslavia. So um, I had respect for John, basically. Uh, and when I fought Kordic, I'd never really thrown left until that fight. And then it just worked out. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of how you, like, you figure things out. You know, like you don't really know, but you know, you learn. And uh, after, <clears throat> excuse me, now did he try to get at you in the hallway after the fight? I, uh, I think he was a little agitated out in the hallway, but you know, his nose was still bleeding. Like I think he was a little bit out of whack. Like I think there was more going on with John than um, than normal. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. He, he, I think he tried to fight me at Brightfellows. That's what it was. Not, not, not. I saw him in the hallway at the Coliseum, mm -hmm. and then we ended up. Remember Brightfellows on Hempstead? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we ended up at Brightfellows on Hempstead, and and the owner of the place, who, who I knew, just kept coming up to me. He's like, "Cordix, uh, just not going to let this go." No oh, shit. And I'm like, "What are you telling me? Like, like, what are my options?" <laughs> he goes, "Well, I, I think either." You got to go or he's got to go. They go. And I go, well, what if I make him go? And then they just rolled their eyes and they're like, we'll get him out of here. Yeah. Because like, that was usually a stop for me on the way back to, you know, depending on what night of the week was, I would take Hempstead and then, you know, hammer Wontog down on the North Shore. And yeah. I don't know. I love living on Long Island. It was, it, it it's funny, funny, because my friends from Canada would come to visit, and they would be like, how do you deal with all the traffic? Because just think about, like, where we grew up, there, like, you would drive hours to see somebody. Like, you literally would get in your truck and be like, 45 minutes to go see Joe. With nothing in between. And so my friends would come to New York and they'd visit and they'd be like, oh my God, what's with all these freaking people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're they, yeah, they're, they're working. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to get into the city or they're trying to get to their work. Mm -hmm. So, yep. um, it, for me, it was, I fell in love with it um, because I felt the passion of the people. Um, I think the other part was like the people that came to visit or uh, uh, relatives, best friends, whatever came. They just couldn't grasp the concept because 
unless you live here, like unless you live on Long Island, you don't actually know how important it is to be relative. Like you just, I love living there, you know. So that was part of my thing. I met, I met my first wife there, you know, Hostra. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, it was crazy. Like I, I just, I thought it was amazing. Cool. Yeah, it's not bad here. It's very expensive, but um, other than that, it's pretty nice. It's uh, it's way more expensive than when you were here. Yeah, no, I get it, but I don't, you know, it's not nearly as expensive where I live, well, Martha's Vineyard, and, or, I went by my house um, in Centerport, um, and there were were no houses around me when we built that house, and then I went in there, and I was like, holy Jesus, and Mike Hordy lives at the front of that road, he's like, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, you develop you develop everything, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah. So when the when the season started, um, you I think you started out west, and then you came back home, and it, it didn't end up being a home and home with Vancouver. I think you played Montreal in between, but in Vancouver you fought uh, Todd Hawkins, who was pretty underrated, and then uh, at the Coliseum you dropped Larry Melnick with a beautiful, beautiful shot. Do you remember those fights? Uh, I don't remember Hawkins. I do remember Melnick because I think it had something to do with Brent Sutter. Um, and I'll say this all day long: like the the leadership on, with the Islanders <clears throat> from the day I got there until the day I left um, um, was amazing. You know, like if you ever play on the line, you know, take a shift with Brent Sutter. He's like. I don't even know if he could beat the, beat the shit out of the custodian. <laughs> but he's going to try. Like, he's willing to try. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll fight anybody. Yeah. Um, and I think when you play with him, you learn, like, it's about being fearless, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Um, so, I guess my point is, uh, <clears throat> I just, I, I didn't get it until I got there. Um, and the Sutters were, were amazing. Yeah. Like, they treated us, they treated everybody um, so well. Yeah. Just, they're, they're just great people. Um, and I'm sure that was passed down to them from the Gillies and the Nystroms and the Smiths, you know, and the Hennings. Like, I'm sure it's just, like, every Trots, like, Potvins, I, I'm sure it's just... Everybody did what they had to do for each other. Like, I, I watch stuff now, Joe, mm-hmm. and I listen to the way the guys talk. I really think, like, the, the totality of what they accomplished was not what they were expecting. They were just trying to win a fucking hockey game. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they had no <laughs> idea they were going to go on to win four Stanley Cups or they were going to, you know, dethrone the the, the, the Broad Street bullies or they're going to stand up to the fucking Bruins. Like, I don't think any of them knew what they were, or, you know, come back from a 3-0 and in Pittsburgh. I don't think any of them knew. Yeah. They just were like, let's, you know, go grab a shower, get our shit together and let's go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is 
probably my favorite part of that group. Um, I, I learned more from not knowing than I did from asking questions yeah. because I really believe that that group of leadership was pretty amazing. So the Melnick, what did Melnick rough up Brent Utter or did it, did something happen there? Or? Oh, I think he slashed Sutton's. Mm-hmm. Um, he slashed Brett, you know, on the way by, and then, it, it, you know, that was a freebie. It's like, you know, I don't know. Anytime you drop the gloves, you have no idea what's going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. He could drop. He could drop you. You could drop him. But I did catch catch him with a fresh one. Yeah. Well, it was a nice one. So, and, and Melnick's tough. So it wasn't like you uh, knocked out a Swede or anything like that. So, you know. Right. Um. So. As we'll get, as we got into already, and we'll get into over the course of this, you were very active with some of the fans, and uh, there was a game at the Coliseum against the Rangers this season. Uh, you fought Ron Greshner, Mike Stevens was up on recall. He fought Thomas Sandstrom, and Richie Pilon fought Ulf Dahlman. Uh, Ulf Dahlman, Dahlman, uh, Ulf Dahlman, definitely no relation. Um, and when you skated off the ice. Do you remember when you threw your helmet at the Ranger fan? Well, I don't remember when I threw my helmet at the Ranger fan. Wow. I remember, like, this fat-ass hillbilly <laughs> in overalls with a Van Beesbrook jersey standing over the rail, calling me every every name in the book. And I'm like, dude, all you got to do is step over the rail. Poor, poor, like, you know, he's no longer with us. Jim Barone. Yeah, was, I know Jimmy. Uh, yeah. calls, and I'm friends with his son, James. Uh, I'm like, he just looked at me. He's like, don't. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not. Yeah. Like, Jimmy Barone, like, just looked at me every time. And he knew. I was, But I'm like, I promise, Jimmy, I won't. Yeah. And he was like, okay. And the minute he let his guard <laughs> down, I ripped my helmet off. And I fucking tomato squashed that guy right in the face like it went pow mm-hmm. and then it fell yep. and I was like I was so happy right but Jimmy's like your helmet I'm like Jimmy I got like fucking five of them he's like I gotta get your helmet so like half the security guards took me to the back and then Jimmy left and the next next thing I know I'm in the locker room and Jimmy's like got a cut over his eye mm-hmm. and he's got a bloody lip and he's like handing my, my helmet. I'm like, he's like, don't ever do that. that. I'm like, what are you? Are you out of your fucking mind? Jimmy, it's a fucking helmet. He's like, don't throw your helmet, kid. I got to get that helmet. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I was never so. I don't know. And, but and, it's a true story. Jimmy and I, and I hit that fat fuck right between the tomatoes. Like, I hit him right in the face. And they show him. Uh, they don't show you hit him on TV, but they do show Jimmy and. Back then, he wasn't. If he he wasn't a supervisor, or if he was a supervisor, he was still he wasn't wearing a suit. He was wearing like a regular security uniform. So they show him actually sure. running to pick up the helmet. So it's just if right. like like you know him and, and I knew him. Uh, so it's just funny if you know him to just watch the whole thing unravel. So you know. Oh, he's just like I'm. Just gonna go get his helmet. Yeah. <laughs> oh my, Jimmy. I mean, first of all, the guy was leaning over. He's almost like one of those like water boy episodes, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Like he's leaning over. He's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, dude, your face is right there. Mm-hmm. Could you move your face? Yeah. Like if you move your face, I probably won't throw my helmet. 
But his hands are at his waist. Mm-hmm. He's in his overalls, and he's got his, you know, Van Beesbrook jersey on. Yep. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I got to send something. It was it was always the same group, you know. Going to the games back then, you'd always see the same group of people, and it was just like for me, I loved it because, you know, I mean, unfortunately, the Ranger fans always always came out in full force. I think there were a lot of them that didn't want to go to the Garden, and they'd end up here at the Coliseum. But that was uh, sure. that that was a thing of beauty. So uh, I only wish I was down law. I would have grabbed your helmet, stuck it in my jacket, and walked up and tried to escape Jimmy and keep it for myself. No, you know, Joe. What, what, one of the funny thing is, one of the funnier things is, like when I, when I like chose to live on Long Island year round, like when mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, and I wasn't making a lot of money. I was just like making enough money to play for the Islanders. And um, at that time, my wife was going to Hofstra Law, mm-hmm. and she was ecstatic. And but we love Long Island. She she went, you know, not Hofstra Law, sorry, Toro Law. She mm-hmm. went to Hofstra for college, and. Uh, like, I loved Long Island. Like, my buddies would be like, this place is fucking insane. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, it's not. It's really not. Yeah. Like, there's parts that are so awesome. And yeah, there's like parts that are sketchy. Yeah. Whatever. That's life, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, so my favorite part was we built a house in Northport. Um, I want to say... But well, so Derek King and his wife and I live. We shared a mother-daughter in in, in Centerport, Northport, for probably two and a half, three years, maybe ninety-seven, ninety-eight, no, nah, ninety-six, ninety-seven. So I got saved enough money to I got my last contract to build a build a house, and uh, my wife was going to law school at Toro. And uh, we we had no kids. We we uh, I got a Rottweiler. I also wanted a dog. Mm-hmm. Got a Rottweiler for her. So when I when I was on the road, and then <laughs> every now and then I would get a package on the porch, and it was like the code sucks. <laughs> Rangers rule. Are you serious? <laughs> Not swear to God, Joe. I'm, I'm uh, so I'm just telling you, like so. I'm at the end of a cul-de-sac and I'm like trying to think like who does that, right? So like we could have ordered like maybe we were ordering baby blankets. So I think Marilyn might have been pregnant. Whatever the point was, I was just getting like frustrated that this dude would drop because I was away. Maybe I was at the gym and whatever. Mm-hmm. So I said to Marilyn, I'm like, listen, I don't know what to tell you. I'm gonna get the Rottweiler. I'm gonna get the dog loaded up. Like he's, I'm gonna leave the gate open. I gotta stop this guy. And Nicole's mm-hmm. like, "What do you mean?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "I just don't want shit anymore." Rangers <clears throat> rule of Dakota sucks on my fucking mail that I'm ordering from wherever, mm-hmm. right? And she's like, "Fine, just let it go. Let it go." So. I'm not. I'm not lying, Joe. This is a true story. Let's say it's a Thursday afternoon, 10 a.m. I hear the the uh, UPS truck pull in, but he stops at the driveway, talk, and he's got to run like two stories down, mm-hmm. and then a story up to get to the porch. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the way the house was set up. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing there in the window, and I'm like, "Oh, this is the guy. <laughs> Look at him. He's so fucking nervous." 
So I run out, I, let, I latch the gate. I'm like, let the Roddy out. <laughs> so the kid runs up and he's like scrambling and he's dropping boxes and then he turns around and there's the Roddy in the driveway <laughs> between him and his truck. Oh, Joe, it was the most amazing thing. Oh. And I just walk out in, in my boxes. I'm like, hey, what's up, my man? How are you? And the kid's like, it's not me. Dude, dude, dude. I would never snitch rap or tortell on anybody unless I asked. Mm-hmm. And he just stared at me. And I go, so, it's not you. So I guess what you got to do is go back and tell whoever it is that if I see one more fucking thing on my package that says go rangers I'm going to knock your fucking teeth down your throat and then you can explain to him that it's not you Yeah. and the kid's like shaking he's like I was like do you listen to what I'm saying you're not going to get beat up I'm going to beat you up because mm-hmm. you can't beat him up. <laughs> and that's how our conversation ended. <clears throat> and did it happen again? Never. Nice. Never. No, no. Uh, you know, that's the problem with Ranger fans. You know, they it's all fun and games until you threaten to knock their teeth out. And then all of a sudden, then it's like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and I didn't even care. I just, it's like my personal mail. Like, dude, yeah. stop. Right. I know. Right. And then when then then when he's like, it's it's not me, it's somebody in handling, and I was like, ah, you're like, you even yeah. yeah yeah you're you're a snitch too. Yeah. Like, somebody's got to die. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to get beat up. Right. Exactly. It's like when you have to when the guy won't fight you, so you got to go and threaten the star player. Hey, if he doesn't fight me, I'm gonna have to rough you up. So it's similar to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like well, you know, you and I have had this conversation before. That's like the Rob Ray. Thing. Yeah. Like you tell Rob Ray, we got to go. No, mm-hmm. no. I'm like, I'm going to run your goalie. Mm-hmm. He goes, so? <laughs> I'm like, you care that little about your goalie? He yeah. goes, pretty much. <laughs> well. I mean, like, I'm now I'm not going to run your goalie. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to, like, spear your goalie in the throat. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. How you don't care? Mm-hmm. I don't like getting Glenn Healy a lot, but, I, but I, I, I'll never let anybody run him, mm-hmm. you know? Like, <laughs> well. We, we're going to touch on Rob Ray in a little bit. So uh, we'll get back to this season. Yeah, uh, This season you fought Jake Caulfield quite a bit. Was there anything personal with that? Or it's just uh, he was the big guy on Pittsburgh and, you know, you wanted to, uh, you know, say hello? Yeah. No, I, I don't know, Joe. I don't think I was like <clears> – there's <throat> like a, a phase of where I, I feel like I, like I got <clears throat> tougher. Or mm-hmm. maybe not tougher. Like, I'm more confident in my fighting ability. I don't think Jake Caulfield was somebody that I fought where I became a better fighter. Right. Um, I know we went to Pittsburgh for a game, and he was pushing a military jeep across the parking lot Mm -hmm. um, prior to us, you know, accessing the igloo for a pregame, like, you know, going in at, like, four or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. And I was like, Dude, the guy's pushing a jeep. They're like, oh yeah, he trains. Push. I'm like, ah, I'm yeah. like, uh, I'm gonna try to punch him in the face. That's yeah. just my thing. See how that works. Yeah. But, but in all honesty, I, I did respect mm. uh, Jay, and and yeah, he's a big dude. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably only like three or four guys, honestly, Joe, that I fought that I wouldn't want to fight again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, that, oh, that's Joe Kosher. Mm-hmm. Um, out of respect, Tony Twist. Mm-hmm. You know, out of respect. I don't know if I'd say pro OB. Like, I don't. I don't think I have enough sample sample size. Mm-hmm. Like, I think pro B probably would kick my ass five out of six times. But I also believe that on any given night, um, lightning strikes. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, so that's fair. Um, but yeah, it would be. Coco and, and Twister, like guys that I, I and Dave Brown, yeah. who just beat the fuck out of me because he could, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I ever see his dog, I'll fucking kick it too. <laughs> um, so going along with, you, ha- you know, the job and how you did your job and you protected your teammates. So um, you mentioned before about Brent Sutter with Larry Melnick. So you played a game at the Coliseum uh, against Buffalo. And Kevin McGuire took a pretty big slash against Mike Stevens, and then you raced. I mean, uh, you had a you had to go a pretty good distance to get at him. And uh, you know, do you remember that? I do, and I, I remember Lauren Henning. So Lauren Henning is one of my fifth favorite all time people through the Islander organization. Organization where he's like always like, I think he's just like I don't know because father's from out like they're from Saskatchewan and. His nickname's Crow, and he—I think he just liked me because he knew, like, I really wasn't that tough, but I'm like willing to go after shit. Like, yeah, I'll give it a whirl. Uh, um, and that fight, Lauren Henning pulled me aside. Like, he literally grabbed me in the locker room after that game because it was a nothing game. Mm-hmm. I think we were—you we, know—we were eliminated. It was maybe second or third last game of the season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, McGuire turned around, two-handed cat in the back of the fucking legs. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't a big deal. It was in our end. And I'm like right mm-hmm. there. But I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Like I was looking at it at it because the puck was in the corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember Lauren Henning just going, Mick, like that kind of respect from your teammates will go a long way. Yeah. And I still believe that. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't think, right? I just reacted. Yeah. Oh, it was tremendous. I mean, I was there. I remember it. And, I mean, you heard the swing. I mean, he took a big baseball bat swing at his leg, so you heard it in the crowd. And you're like, what the fuck? And the next thing I know, I see you bolting in there, and it was awesome. Yeah, and, you know, Mike Stevens and I saw each other this year at the uh, 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 alumni weekend, and, he, and he's like, you know, thinks, I like cat. Listen. First of all, I fought him in Hershey. Hmm. He's not one of the guys I want to stick up for. Not for nothing. Okay. <laughs> right? Like, he's a little sketchy back in the day. So, but he's my teammate. He's, mm-hmm. he's my line mate. Um, I mean, you and I could probably pick out 10 people right now that would do the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. From that, you know, in that era. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, it's not that big a deal. 
No, it's not a big deal. But you know, there are there are also some guys back then that may not get there as quickly as you did, or you know, may maybe not get there at all, or just get there and kind of grab on. Um, and that, to me, is it's a complete 180 from what you did. So it, it's it also makes an impression, but not the opposite impression. Like, what are you there for? You know, like if you you're there and at that point you weren't, you know, you were still, you know, it's only your second year pro. So if you don't do anything, that also makes an impression, but not in the way you want it to. Yeah, no, I agree. I'll tell Joe, I mean, this is like the, um, the, the analogy or the, you know, the eulogy of my whole career. If you want to dissect whether I wrestle too much, or do you want to dissect whether I'm toe-to-toe, or do you want to dissect whether I went, like, heavyweight to heavyweight, um, I think all of those are legitimate, like, you know, questions. Mm. The only thing I can say in my defense is, like, when I'm pissed off, I fight. Yeah. So, and very seldom is it about me. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, if it happens to a teammate, um, for whatever ever reason, whether we are in junior, the American League, um, you know, my career in the NHL, like, if, if I am upset about a teammate and I don't think about the consequence, I'll just let her rail. And for the most part, I do all right. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't, I don't think I'm perfect or... someone to be afraid of but I, I think I'm worthy of uh, I can go mm-hmm. you know I'll go well I think um, first of all a lot of times when people criticize anybody in forces or anything like that most of the time it's people that have never done the done the job done the task that they're criticizing um, and I think people that understand the role know that you know it's not always winning or losing or whatever it's showing up so like for someone like me where i'm not like you say you're not perfect i don't think i'm perfect and there's a lot of people like me that understand the role better than others so on a night like that let's say you go in and you defend mike stevens and then kevin mcguire beats the shit out of you like to me that doesn't matter like to me it's like mcguire just hit stevens you went in and defended your teammate so maybe if and and he didn't beat the shit out of you but if he did i'd be like well i don't give a shit the guy you know mick went in and did his job so it's not you know there's people are people find fault with everybody with uh you know proby and twister and these guys are you know going back in the day uh clark gillies had too long a fuse nick fatio his fight card you know like there's always something that somebody's going to nitpick about so i guess the important thing what you know however you feel about this stuff is i don't know a single islander fan that doesn't love you so well, I don't know. There might be that guy at you know, taco stand. You know. Well, that's because you gave him a shitty tip, but that was it, though. <laughs> so. I've never, <laughs> Joseph, ever given a shitty tip. I'm like the guy that made $2.2 million, million um, and rocked it out like he made $8 million, Yeah. And then is like, what? How much do I owe, I owe you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that year, you also spent... Three games in Springfield, uh, thirty-three penalty minutes. Yeah. Was that 
Did you go down for conditioning or anything, or was that a, a, a yeah? Okay. So what was that about? You went down for conditioning and still managed to get thirty-three penalty minutes. Well, I, I didn't go down to fight. I yeah. just went down like yeah. I don't know. Like I, I, I raids was like just go down, go down and play. Like I think everything about me was like I was conditioned from junior. Like you know, you gotta fight. You gotta be ready to fight. You gotta be ready to fight. Mm -hmm. So then you go down and they're like, hey, we just need you to play. You know, they put you on like a top line. And the next thing mm -hmm. you know, you're like trying to find fights. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what the fuck is wrong with this kid? <laughs> so I think it was like as fast as I was down there, they were like, they couldn't wait to get rid of me. And then when I got back up, Al was like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know, Al. I just want to fucking be here. He's like, fine. Mm -hmm. Stop talking. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think, if I'm not mistaken, though, when you went to Springfield that time, if I'm not mistaken, if, if, if my memory is right, they gave you, like, jersey number three, didn't even have a name on it. So it's like they were trying to hide you, they gave you defenseman number, and you still managed to get 33 penalties. Yeah, I was just, like, cuckoo the whole night. And they were, they were like, just come in, leave, I know. And it was last minute, too, in their defense. So. Yeah. So uh, you just mentioned Al Arbor. So when you started the season, Terry Simpson was still the coach, and then he was replaced. Sure. And he was replaced with Al. So that was really your first extended time with Al Arbor. So um, I guess what was your first impressions of him? I mean, obviously, I'm an Islanders fan. I think Al's a legend. Uh, I'm sure, I know how you feel about him, but for those people that don't know, um, what were your impressions of Al when he came in? Yeah. yeah. So honestly, Joe, it was like when Ter when Terry Simpson was terminated um, we, we were like basically on a morning skate of a game day um, we were told Al was taken over Simpson was fired um, it's pretty emotional for a lot of young guys me being one and uh, Al just skated over and put his arm around me and I was like huh you know, and I'm like, I, I didn't know everything, right? I knew who Al Arbor was, but mm -hmm. I just didn't know everything. And he goes, uh, I understand you're upset. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, the guy brought me from the minors and gave me a job, and I, I'm letting him down. And Al goes, you're not letting anybody down. All right, you're going to play tonight. You do the best you can. You're not letting anybody down. And, like, at that moment, I was like, fuck, I'm not screwing Terry Simpson. Um, I didn't even know. Like, I really, honestly, Joe, I knew nothing about raids. Mm -hmm. I was just like, fine. I won't let my coach down. And I think that was, like, the first time. Like, we just, I don't know. I think he got me. Like, I was just that guy, you know, mm -hmm. that fourth-line guy that would eat shit, do whatever you want, but will never let you down. Mm -hmm. And that, obviously, I think you hit it on the head because next season was your first full season. No trips to Springfield, nothing. You played 76 games that year, four goals, 290 penalty minutes. Um... We have to jump 
I mean, we have to jump right to October 20th, 1989 in Landover, Maryland. Um, explain to, to everybody how one goes about getting a natural hat trick in an NHL game. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I'd like to explain it better if Patty doesn't tell you that he takes credit for it because he sat down and talked to me about I think I was going through a lull um, where I felt like I wasn't contributing, right? Like, so nobody wants to sit on the bench. Um, you know, nobody wants to sit there and not, not contribute. So, like, I don't want to take a shift in the first, shift in the second, maybe none in the third, um, depending on the score, whatever. Uh, so I was just feeling like I wasn't, I don't know, I like I played hockey in junior. I played hockey in the American League. I I was valuable. I was, you know, but I played, and all of a sudden I wasn't playing. And then Patty like sat next to me on that flight to Washington. He gave me like this whole speech about like you don't know how important you are. Blah blah blah. And I was just like, fuck, dude. Like you don't even care if I play or not. <laughs> But when I woke up in the morning, I really believed that he cared. Mm. In, in all fairness, yeah, because he took the time to say something, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we were playing the Caps, right? So I just went out, and then everything happened. You know, it was yeah. like three goals in five minutes. I don't know. You can't. I can't explain it. So you score. The, you score your first goal, and you've had. Goal, you've had goals in games before. So you score your first goal and you're pumped. And that's like, okay, so now I, you have your first goal. But now you go and you score your second goal. So now that's your first two-goal game in the NHL. Right. Well, so the first goal, yeah. Joseph, is on a shift, right? Mm -hmm. And then we come off. And then he goes through his lines, Raids goes through his lines, so it's like, you know, we're fourth line, so he goes back to first, second, third. Now we go back out. And we score um, within 10 seconds of that shift. So he leaves us out. Mm -hmm. And you're not even thinking. Like right, like I, you know, I'm not even thinking that I've scored two goals. I, I basically, I am thinking that we're up two nothing. Mm. Right, we're 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 in Washington. We're up two nothing. Um, nobody's saying anything. Donnie Maloney is my roommate. Jules mm -hmm. um, Thibodeau is our center. Mm -hmm. And then it just goes off the face off, bing bang bong. And then I just drive the net, and it goes off my skate, off my stick, in, and it's three nothing. Yeah, that's it. Like that's how fast everything happened. And the only thing I remember, and not the only thing, but one of the few things I remember about that night: a um, Terry Murray, sorry, Brian Murray, mm -hmm. waited for me out in the hallway because prior to signing with the Hunters. Um, the Capitals invited me to camp, mm -hmm. and I only wanted to sign with them, but Craig Buttons, their GM, said that I didn't, you know, nobody was going to sign me. Mm -hmm. So, and my 
representative was like, yeah, he's got people, so you want to sign him? And they're like, nope. Um, so that's why I didn't go to the Caps. And then, um, and then Al Arbor, like, grabbed me, pulled me aside that night mm. before we got on the bus. He's like, why didn't you tell the reporters you'll never again? Mm. I'm like, why did I tell the reporters I would never score three goals in five minutes again? <laughs> it's like, shut up. <laughs> I'm just asking you. Mm. I was like, I don't know, Al. I don't, well, what's the chance of me scoring three goals in five fucking minutes? He goes, you can do whatever you want. Like, that's one of the things about Al. Like, mm. if he believed in you, it was truly amazing. Now, am I remembering it correctly that you are probably the only person in NHL history to score three goals in five minutes and not be first star of the game? Uh, yeah, I believe so. <laughs> if you ask Pat LaFontaine, he'll tell you that I was. But I'm telling tell you, I was not. He got the game winner. He, he scored two goals. He scored a goal and the game winner. And that's where they made the... the the player of the game. Yeah. That's why I remember. I remember him being the first star of the game. I couldn't believe it. No. Trust me, I couldn't believe it either. <laughs> and, and I love... I love the five minutes. Yeah. And, and I fought fucking Al, Al Macy, and I think I did okay in that. Yeah, well, we were going to... I was going to ask you about that. So did you fight Al May just to... So you didn't want people to think that you were just a goal scorer, so you decided that I better get no. in the fight, you know? No. No, if you watch that shift, he runs. He runs Theo. He run, he runs uh, Theodore. And it's not. It's fucking Al May. I mean, no, I, I know. I'm just I played against him. In, I don't know. Just yeah. you know, deck deck. <laughs> so, but he didn't have to run Theo like that. It, no. It's not necessary. Like no. Theo's a good kid. Mm -hmm. They were all good guys. Yeah. yeah. So um, renewing the Islander Ranger rivalry, you did fight uh, Chris King in the regular season. Uh, you you did a you did a number on him at the Coliseum. You remember that fight? Mm, no, no. Yeah. Well, I remember. You know, so I don't think you know. You know, Joe. Like I met Chris at Capitals camp. Uh, yep. Rob Murray, Chris King. Um, I know, obviously the Schofield, but like uh, Hatcher, Scott Stevens, Bob Carpenter. What a dick he was. He made me watch his fucking Rottweiler. Like, really? oh, what a dick. I've heard I've oh heard stories God. about him. I'm not surprised at that. You know, like, I've heard stories about him, about him too. Both uh, pro and con. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm telling you, I sat in this trailer, and Rod Langway walked up, and he goes, get in my car. Because <laughs> I was just sitting there and the fucking Rottweiler wouldn't let me leave. Seriously? And I, I'm like, I swear to God. Bobby Carpenter just walked out. He's like, keep an eye on my dog. What the fuck? No, it was <laughs> fucking obnoxious. No. And that that's why Rod Langway and I, and I, I think to this day, are like, I was like, oh my God, you're like so amazing. Yeah. He was awesome to me. He was yeah. awesome to me. So, so um, early in the season... The Islanders acquire um, somebody from the Western League, had a reputation for being tough. And I'll tell you my my story of the Islanders acquiring Ken Baumgartner. I don't know if you remember when you were here um, on the FAN, the sports radio, they had um, Don Imus was doing the morning shows. 
and um, I'm driving to school. I'm going to St. John's, and I'm driving to school. And they, uh, Mike Breen, who does the Knicks games, I believe, he was doing the sports updates. And uh, they say, yeah, the Islanders acquire uh, Ken Baumgartner and Hubie McDonough from the Kings for Miko Makula. Now, you know this. You know the parkways here. I literally almost drove my car off the parkway because I, I was so pumped. I, I was like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. So, and uh, if Islander fans that watch the games, I mean, a game or two before that, he had a fight, I think, with Alan Kerr, where he did very well. And then a week later or so, now he's on the Islanders. So, here's a guy that you know. And even though the team was tough, I mean, yeah, there were a bunch of scrappy guys on there. Um, Bomber, he's just like that and more. Like, he's legit NHL tough heavyweight badass, and now he was coming to be your tag team partner. So uh, what was your reaction to that? Well, um, <laughs> I never, ever think he's going to be like my tag team partner, but... Um, I don't know. Like, honestly, Joe, like, I... Bomber's so much more um, than, like, me. Like, and I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just being honest. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, let's brawl. Let's play. Shut the... You know, now yous can't leave. Like, that. that's me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm that guy. Um, Bomber's never been like that. He's always been... Um, just say like he, hey, these are your options. Would you prefer to do this, or mm-hmm. would you prefer to do that? Um, was I excited when Bomber is coming here? Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, I think he's crazy, but mm-hmm. I also know, like, I mean, if you think about that Red Ranger game, the uh, the playoff game that you know the infamous. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, game one, I want to say game one. Yep. Uh, in the garden, mm-hmm. um, when Patty got carried off on the stretcher, and, and I don't think Knuckles did anything wrong, but I mm-hmm. think oh, Patrick cut across, and mm-hmm. Knuckles did enough to enough, you know, to mm-hmm. catch Patty's. Whatever, mm-hmm. it happened. Um. I remember listening to Bomber at the face-off, and he's like, no, I want him. I was like, all right, well, why don't I go over here and, like, take... He's like, nope, I want him. <laughs> all right, well, that's, like, five fucking people. Yeah. Like, can I pick one? <laughs> like, Bob, like, literally looks through me. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't care. Yeah, my way. Like, I literally... It's exactly who I knew Ken Baumgartner was. Mm-hmm. Like, not scary, just like that guy. Like, Cal- I don't know. Like that guy. I just believed in him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mm, um, we, I have some more questions about that game, so I'll hold off on those. But, uh, yeah, and when I say tag team partner, you know what I mean. Like a Probert and Coaster and, you know, guys like that where it's not anything, obviously, like tag team partner is just uh, a phrase. But,. Uh, one one question I have about that is now you you're um, obviously even though you always had guys that were played tough uh, most of the time during your career the bulk of the load fell on you when they acquired Baumgartner was there a part of you that was a little concerned that 
here's a guy that, and even though he was a defenseman, he plays a similar game to you. Did you feel like maybe, uh, not that you had to step it up, but you know what I mean? Like maybe he could replace you or uh, was that, uh, did that ever enter into your mind? No, mm-hmm. no, that's true. Yeah. Like, uh, in, <clears throat> it's all the way back to junior. Like, Bomber was, like, a whole different level of uh, physical mm-hmm. uh, intimidation. And then I'd already had, like, whatever I experienced on Long Island. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of guys, you know, that could fight um, up and down. Mm-hmm. And then you always try to pre- preserve your job, right? Like, you're always willing to... I don't even know if I, I knew what I was doing, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm just... But I'll go. Um, and I think that's that transition. Like, you're asking me a question about, like, that state. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really, honestly... Like, th- there's a lot of stuff going on. But you're willing to... Like, you're thinking, like... I don't know. And I might be wrong. But I'm... Like Mike Peluso, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like there's a whole bunch of genres of guys that I'm going to fight. Like, how will I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing I can always tell you is, like, as an Islander, I'll just fight. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you certainly knew what you were doing, and we touched on this briefly uh, when that game in Chicago. That was a fun game for, an, for me as an Islander fan, and uh, obviously the highlight of the game was your bat without Secord when uh, when you got the call from your uh, your parents where they scolded you. But now Al had a few years on you there, and he was a, definitely a recognized name in the league. So um, after everything happens, like, do you at all think, wow, I just pretty much knocked out Al Secord? Yeah, it's <laughs> the last thing I wanted to think about, Joe. I swear. Mm-hmm. It was the most hor- worst thought that I could have. And I, I mean, granted, like the phone call, the, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the red light at the hotel room, mm-hmm. fine. I could deal with all that. But no, I mean, and then I also understand like the difference between LC Cord knocking me out or, you know, me getting a good, a good shot in on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's one or the other. But, yeah, you know, you try you try not to think about the, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, you try not to think about the extremes. Yeah, um, one guy who seemed like you had a you and Bomber had a running date with. It seemed like, uh, and I don't know if there was anything personal, but Ed Castellick of Hartford somehow you guys always managed to find each other. Yeah, so it's funny you said that because I just saw a fight like uh, this weekend. I think this week. I don't know why. Um, anyways, yeah. Eddie, first of all, Eddie Catholic's Croatian. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know, I'm Serbian. I've heard. And uh, the the so these are uh, you know Catholic Orthodox religions. Uh, first of all, I'm nothing, but my parents are. Um, and then Eddie Castellick went to Capitals camp and was in Binghamton with me. And um, I think he was, like, amazing. Like, he kept me alive. Because when I had the Andy Risto stuff, yeah. Eddie was literally like, dude, you're going to die. <laughs> I'm like, 
Well, when you say die, and he's like, stop. Yeah. <laughs> but he smiled like like uh, he knew I was just going to keep trying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a big fan of Ed Castlex. So okay. nothing bad. I know him and Bomber had a couple good problems. Ed, Ed he was trying to fucking save, you know, have job. Yeah. Keys. I get it. Yeah. He had uh, you know, Mark Jansons. Mark Jansons was on that team. Uh, Chief Daniels. Like I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I well. Mean, he had a he had a big blonde guy from Gull Lake, Saskatchewan, on his tail trying to take his job, Jim McKenzie. So that's enough to make anyone. Uh, oh, fucking Jimmy, man! Yeah. He's so gay. He's just <laughs> the kids got perfect hair. Whatever. <laughs> so I think between him and Grimson, they got God and women on their side. <laughs> wow. Uh, so let's. So we'll get to the playoffs now. So we talked about the hit. Now, before, now, just amazingly that the powers that be left two seconds on the clock was phenomenal. And, I mean, I'm watching the game in my living room, and I see who's out on the ice, and I I literally have goosebumps right now talking about it. So back then, I'm like, oh, shit, it's going down, it's going down. You're talking about the, the game at the Garden. Yeah, the game at the Garden. So, right. now, yeah. before your guys are but on Joe, the why, why is that, but, Joe, honestly, why is that, like, so... Um, I get it from your perspective. Right. But I'm just saying, like, think about this. It's an icing call. Right? Yeah. The home team has first change. Mm-hmm. So it's an icing call in our end. They put out Chris King, Mark Jansen, Chris Nyland, Ron Greshner, and Jeff Flumberg. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. our change, Al Arbor's changes, Brian Prache, Mike Dakota, Kevin Baumgartner, and Ireland, I'm forgetting somebody. Gerald Diddick. Which is that? Gerald Diddick? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have Patrick and Goal, and they have uh, Mike Richter. Mm-hmm. Alright, so Bomber's doing this thing on the face-off, right? Um, I, trust me, I'll never, ever blame Bomber. But I'm just like, Bomber, uh, he's like, who do you want? Like, Chris King's standing right next to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll just take Chris King. He's like, no, I want Chris <laughs> King. I'm like, oh my God. Uh, sorry, Chris. Um, can I go out to, um, and he goes, no! Gary Nyland's going after Chris Nyland. And I'm like, oh my God. Well, why don't I just go to my D? Like, he literally looks and goes, yes. <laughs> go out to your D and do your job. All right. And I'm not, I'm not lying, Joe. Like, yeah. if that, that was the conversation of emotion that we had. Yeah. Maybe not that level. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But that was it. So was that the first time anything was discussed about that? Like when things first happened, uh, you know, Patty gets taken off the ice on a stretcher. Nothing's discussed on the bench at all, or nothing until nothing. that those two nothing. seconds. Okay. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Literally, it was like three icing, and the faceoff came to our end, yeah. and then Raids goes bloop, bloop, bloop. Mm-hmm. 
And I never once thought that he wanted me to fight. I never once thought that Bomber was going to get goofy. But I did know this guy. I played in the Western League, and I'd heard stories about Bomber. Mm-hmm. And here's the one thing I do. Like, don't ever not get on top of who you're fighting. Because, mm-hmm. like, Bomber gets crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that was all I knew. Like, don't want to be submissive mm-hmm. in a fight. So I'm like, all right, that's it. Like for me, it's easy. I'm like, all right, don't go down. All right, stay on top. Let's punch <laughs> and be your own top. Fine. Um, yeah. So that was it. So I thought, but I'll answer any honestly, Joe. I can. I, I'll answer any question about it. Yeah. I was more scared of what Bomber would do, mm-hmm. even though he would do nothing. Like if you knew it now, mm-hmm. he 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 has no desire to be that person. Oh yeah. But what he was in junior, he would fucking he he would create a whole different situation. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and actually, I've. Um, Back when I, years ago, I had, I just had a website where I would do interviews with guys that was just written stuff, and uh, I had reached out to him, and, you know, him and I always had a good relationship when he was here, and with Toronto and Anaheim and everything, and he was very nice about it, but he said, I really don't have any desire to discuss any of that stuff, and I just was like, man, it's really, it's, for someone like me, it's unfortunate, because the stories that he could tell, I mean, everybody, um, has bomber stories especially guys that played in the western league so it's just unfortunate that i mean i totally get it and it's obviously his prerogative to never really talk about that stuff but i there's a part of me that's yeah, just I like i don't think he likes a troll yeah no i don't think he likes it. I, yeah. I, I really don't think he feels like it's who he like him and aaron are still together yeah like we laugh like i saw them last year at the and Aaron like looks at me. She goes, "He loves you so much." Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, just like Ken loves you." And I'm like, "Why?" She goes, "Because he knows you're fucking nuts." <laughs> I'm not really nuts. She goes, "No, but he does. But he's just not like that." Yeah. Like he is such a fucking family. Yeah. Too. He everything that kid does is whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought after the fact, I thought after the fact that I thought the media was very unfair to you with the whole Bloomberg thing about the whole born again Christian thing and and like my whole sure. my whole thing was so now if you don't know the guy, do you know he's a born again Christian? I thought they should have no, got on. I don't know enough. That's what I'm saying. I thought they should have got on Nielsen for putting him out there with this. I mean, they see you know well, what's going to happen. I said this. I said this to the media. Um, it was the only comment that I made. I go, A, don't have um, bo- you know, born again Christianity. Like, we don't, we don't have this in our uh, portfolio. Like, when you talk about a planet, I do know that he's 6'2, 220 pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware that the coach put him on the ice. In, the, in you know, in a circumstance that could you know escalate into a fight, mm-hmm. so that that's my defense. Yeah, and it's so funny, like uh, Jim Smith from New York Times, whatever. He's like, man, you actually think? 
And I go, Jim, do you know what I don't do? I, 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 don't, I don't go to bed without my teeth. Mm. And Jim Smith, like, looked at me. He's huh. like, I go, dude, I, I go, you people on the ice in that situation, I mean, you want to get mad at me? Fine. But he put him on the ice with Ron Greger, Mark Jansons, Chris Nyland, and Chris King. Yeah. yeah. So, that's a line, bro. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck you want me to do. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I was very, I didn't like the way it was portrayed at all. And as far as the suspension, well, before we get to the suspension, obviously the whole situation, I enjoyed it because, you know, you guys defended your teammate. Um, you did what you had to do, whatever. I, I loved it. I thought you made a statement. Um, but the cherry on top was you skating off the ice to the asshole serenade and you put on a ranger hat that someone had thrown on the ice. To me, that was just unbelievable. I laugh every time I see that. Wow. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's funny. They were shaking the bus when we were leaving. Mm. Guys were like looking at me like, you know, Marty McGinnis and Travis Green. And I was like, like all these kids that I like love, like, you know, like my best friends, like looking at me and they're like, you're not even scared. I'm like, Dude, I, if you let me off this bus right now, I'll get back home. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh my god, he's fucking like I mean, just let me off the bus. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'll get, I'll, I will, I will make my way home. Yeah. I'm, I'll fuck mow people's faces down. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Well, you I- know, you like to think you are something that you're not. Well, I think also what people should know, because obviously there are some people that are listening to this that remember the incident, and there are some people that may not have uh, seen it live or whatever. What I think people should know is the same Ranger fans that you're talking about shaking the bus also shook the ambulance when they were trying to pull out of the garden when Patty was in there, uh, basically on the stretcher, taking the hospital. These are the same fans that were shaking the ambulance of, of the, that had Pat LaFontaine in it. So this is a class of people that we're talking about. No, it's so uh, And again, it's it's a rivalry. It's a sports. You know, it's a sporting, whatever. It's what this. Mm. At the end of the day, um, yeah, you want everybody to be healthy. You want everybody to be okay. Um, what? Uh, I'm not opposed to going in the garden. Yeah, no. And what I imagine that. Uh, you were not thrilled with your 10-game suspension. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, the other thing, Joe, is like I wasn't going to suspend 10 games. I was trying to Bomber. Is they were going to suspend Bomber. For 10 games? I was games? like, no, it's all... Well, they were going to like... And somebody's getting whatever, two or four... And I was like, yeah, no, Bomber didn't. And then they're like, all right, well, you'll get time. <laughs> and reality, no, Bomber didn't do anything. Bomber just said to me, look at, at the lineup. He's like, no, I got this guy. No, I got that guy. But he didn't do anything wrong. Right. I was just like, oh, kooky, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. 
Hey, you know, you do what you do mm-hmm. back then. Yeah, that's how it was. And then um, I, the last question about this year was, so, like I said at the beginning when we started talking about the season, you spent the whole season with the Islanders, and um, notwithstanding that the, the uh, first round playoff exit. Did you feel a, a personal sense of accomplishment that year, of first full season in the NHL? And, um, you know, you had your hat trick game and you were a regular. Al played you regularly. It did, uh, on a personal level, how did that make you feel? Um, I don't know, Joe. Like, I never thought like that. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be a part of, like, you know, um, Al always treated me well. Mm-hmm. All. And then, uh, on, on the, you know, the larger scale, like, um, you don't want to let that down, mm-hmm. you know, like teammates, mm-hmm. whether it was Derek King or Pat Flatley or, uh, you know, Gordonine or whoever was there at that time, mm-hmm. Brett Sutter, like you just, you don't want to let people down. So yeah. as long as you're not letting people down, um, I think. Yeah, you're heading the right direction. Yeah. So, um, we go to the next season, and you start the season suspended, but they allow you to play in the exhibition games, and you end up playing some exhibition games against the Rangers. So, uh, you played two games against the Rangers. You fought Troy Millette, Lindy Ruff, and uh, your first experience with Ty Domi, you fought him twice, including... uh, one fight, I think, was at the Coliseum where you dumped him into the Islanders bench. Do you remember that? I don't. Oh, yeah. You dumped him I into don't. the bench. Did I pick him up, or was I, it a preseason? It was preseason. I think it was preseason at the Coliseum, and a fight was along the bench, and uh, it ended up, you know, I mean, uh, instead of, I guess, body slamming him in the ice, you dumped him into the Islanders bench. So. <laughs> <laughs> No, I okay. don't. All I right. don't remember that. I, I do. I, I'll tell you this, like Joe. I love Ty. Like, I mean, I don't. There's not a lot of guys I don't like. I mean, I'll tell you, I don't like Rob Ray. Yeah, we're gonna talk about him. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, mm-hmm. but I like Ty. I mean, um, almost everybody you fight, like mm-hmm. you play against, you either earn respect or lose respect for. Mm-hmm. But um, did you like Ty at the time? Because you guys had a rivalry. Uh, Let let me give you a for instance. It was obvious when you would play Buffalo that there was was hate or disdain for Rob Ray. But when you played against Craig Berube, even though you fought him all the time, you could tell there was a respect. Now with Ty, sometimes it seemed like there was... uh, You didn't like him at the time. Now obviously things change once you retire... But at the time, it didn't seem like you were a big fan. Um, so, all right. Well, Ty likes to make things about himself, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's never going to work for me because I consider myself, you know, like you play for your team and whether you play a lot or, you know, don't play a lot, you, you know, you get whatever, you're you're part of the team <clears throat> so I typically you know I don't like Ty's mentality well, he just seems to think that you know everything's about him that, that's when he was in New York right? yeah. like mm-hmm. you know it's like 
waiting on like probe mm -hmm. he's like counting like you know whatever I, I don't know yeah but I think it was a pretty amazing fight that him and probe went through yeah I mean mm -hmm. it's amazing I mean fuck I punched him as hard as I could on top of his head no like I could see why you would stop punching mm -hmm. like the kid has a head as fucking as hard as granite like, yeah whatever mm -hmm. but I also know that the game is bigger than what you are. Mm. So that's kind of where I am with that. Okay. One of the things I remember uh, from this season, I remember reading in the newspaper that I believe it was in Edmonton that you and Dave Chazowski had a fight in practice. Do you recall that incident? Uh, no, off the top of my head, I don't. But I believe Chizer and I had a fight. I mean, that's completely possible. Plus, he's from Edmonton. Um, so he's probably being a donkey about his family. and So it, it all makes sense. But yes, I, don't, I actually recall the incident, mm -hmm. but I'm not surprised. So this question is not necessarily specific to this season, but it is something that just came to mind. Um, on more than one occasion in your career, uh, let's just say if a goalie happened to skate as crease, uh, you may have bumped him. Is that something that um, I don't? I don't want to say it was fun, but when you saw a goalie come out, did you kind of think of bowling? Maybe you were the ball, and they were the pins. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, well, the the rules were a lot different, right? Yeah. Like, so when I started, they weren't allowed to leave the crease. Um, so you had a few goalies like Ron Hextall or. You know, physical goalies that didn't care. Even Tom Brassel, let's say, that were big and, you know, they felt they could handle themselves. But <clears throat> my personal opinion, I think it was a lot of guys, like, if you're going to come out of the crease, you're fair game. Yeah. So, I mean, you only get a few shifts a period and here's your chance. It, chances are you dumped it in yourself. So... Mm. Now you're gonna go, and then if the goalie, know, if he doesn't know who's on the ice, and he's gonna go play the puck, yeah, I think you get run. Yeah. I mean, and then whatever you decide to do after that's up to you. Mm -hmm. Like Hexy would get up and start swinging. Um, there were other goalies that just laid there and embellished. So yeah, yeah, um, I think. Uh, but teach their own. Yeah, I think he did that to Richter at least once or twice. Yes. Well, that's different. Well, those yeah, are always man. the best ones. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, it's, it's like, and I, I have so much respect for Mike Richter, but, yeah. I mean, it's impossible for me to ignore that I'm, like, you know, playing the Rangers or they're, you know, where it's just, I'm, I can't forget. I'm sure, like, they feel the same way about me. Yeah, and see, that's, and this is one of the things that I tell people about you that, that you know, like, obviously people in the East Coast, New York, Ranger fans, Islander fans, um, you know that could watch you watch you play on a nightly basis, but maybe some people out west that maybe only see you on the on the fight tapes or, or in the box score. That I always try to make them understand that you you were a big part of the rivalry when you played because you played against the Rangers like I would want to play against the Rangers or how every Islander fan would want to play against the Rangers, where it wasn't that. You, you know, even if you had a friend on the other side, it didn't matter. That night during the game, it was Islanders-Rangers, and you were going to make your mark. And that, the, the one thing I, I, I 
don't know if I ever told you this, but I know I told told Mac this that I always loved about your game was that you never changed your game no matter how many years you were in the NHL, no matter how much money you ever made. You played the same way in the NHL in your last NHL game as you did in the Western League. And to me as a fan, like I always love that because you always wonder if a guy, I think it was uh, in one of the Rocky movies where, where Mick tells Rocky that uh, the worst thing happened to him, he got civilized. And you always wonder if a guy's going to change his, change his game after a while if he makes a certain amount of money or achieves a certain level of fame. And you never, ever did that. You never wavered for what from what your job is. You always played with the same intensity from your first game to your last game. And that's something that I always appreciated about you, especially in those Rangers games. No, that's an awesome compliment, Joe. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, like, I think the rivalry was what it was. I valued that stuff. You know, I, I really did. Like, I think the emotional connection um, was healthy. Plus, I think at that time, I was living on Long Island year-round. Mm -hmm. So, I was exposed to a little bit more, whether it was, you know, charity softball games or running to somebody at the Oak Beach Inn, um, you know, going on a, you know, going for a fishing charter to Montauk. Like, I was just more impacted that, hey, you live here, well, then you should give a crap about what you do. And it, it did. I did. Like, I just think it was transparent, to be honest. Like, I, you know, we talk about those crazy Ranger rookie brawls. That that was trying to make a team. Mm -hmm. um, and then you fast forward, you know, five years. It, it's about, like, defending. Um, so there's a lot of things that I took personal mm -hmm. while I lived there. I love that. That's a great answer. I, I love that answer. Um, there was a game in Pittsburgh. Uh, I would imagine you remember this, and it, it, I'm sure it was completely accidental where you ended up uh, boarding trots. And as soon as it happened, you just had this look on your face like, oh, shit, what did I do? I didn't mean to do it that way. And it's, it was obvious on TV um, right away that you felt bad and I remember you immediately going over to him and it looked like you were trying to explain yourself and do you remember that? Yeah. So here, Joe, if you, can you hear this? Yeah. Alright, so here's like the most poignant um, response you'll ever get from anybody about an honest question. Brian Trachi always told me you never say I'm sorry unless you mean to do it. And I don't know whether he's mind screwing me or trying to like whatever. I just remember him, and I can't remember whether it was a bus ride, a plane ride, whatever. But Trotz's theory was, you just never say you're sorry unless you mean to do something. Otherwise, it's understood. Okay. The first thing I do when I smoke him in from behind is say I'm sorry. Yeah. And then. You see me react. I'm trying to tell him I don't mean I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, and he's just like looking at me, like he's bleeding from the forehead. But I'm just like trying to clear my conscience. I'm like, I don't mean I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I mean I'm sorry, but I don't mean I'm sorry like the way we we talk. Like I'm not. That. And and meanwhile he's literally like I stay like you know, he's 
recovering from being face planted in the boards. Yeah. No, and it's funny that you say that because I've, I'm picturing it. I, I've seen it a million times, so I'm picturing it in my head. And I'm, I'm picturing you saying that with like your the way you were motioning and moving your hands and everything. And yeah, he's makes, just he's like, dude, get off me. Yeah, like it makes complete I'm sense. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then as the words come out, I'm like, I'm not sorry. Right. I'm just sorry. Like mm-hmm. it, it's embarrassing. <laughs> so um, before we leave this season, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, this season was your first encounter with uh, Robert Ray of Buffalo. Uh, so yeah. Uh, this was the first of many battles you had with him, and uh, I guess if we take it in stages, um, what was your first impression of him? Because I think you had made the Islanders while he was still in the American League, so I don't think you ever beat each other in the American League, correct? Yeah, I don't know if we did, mm-hmm. and I know like Roch was like, yeah, going to Rochester was like a blackout, same with going to Hershey, like, I couldn't tell you who I thought when mm-hmm. I was in Springy, I just know that like once you got there, it it wasn't an option. Like you, stuff was going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So to be honest, I don't remember if I ran into Rob in the mm-hmm. minors. Um, yeah. Running him into the show, I didn't. He was like, uh, I mean, if that's who I got to fight on a regular basis, I'm like, I should be around a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was much different than uh, playing against Detroit or playing against um, Philadelphia, um, even the Rangers. Like, it was just, it felt different. Yeah. Um, but that that's all of a sudden who they were announcing, and I just, you know, I don't know. I don't have much to say. Like, I won't say anything bad. Okay. But. Well, there's, there's going to be a few other instances that I'm going to bring up with them, and you can either sure. say anything or not say anything, but... Um, so we move on to next season, and in an exhibition game against the Rangers, you had a fight with Louis DeBrusque, and uh, I think headbutted him. Was that accidental, or was it accidentally on purpose, if you remember? Yeah. No, I don't remember, but okay. I'm guessing just about every time I've headbutted, it's probably because I was uh, running out of gas, yeah. and, or um, it was a defensive aggressive just, you know, act. Like, yeah. I seldom headbutted, which I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, I seldom headbutt like as a confident move. I mm-hmm. usually do it as a, you know, a distress. Like, okay, yeah. try this. Uh-huh. And keep swinging. <laughs> I got you. I knew Louis was tough. Yeah, but oh, Louis yeah. was swinging, and I, I might have been, you know, like sometimes when you're in one of those toe-to-toe fights, even if you're like engaged, you're just off. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. you're just missing enough. Mm-hmm. But you're still in the fight. Yeah. And you want to fight. But. So sometimes you, you know, you resort to something else. Uh, I, I don't ever remember headbutting anybody, mm-hmm. but it's completely possible. Yeah. Like, I know if I was losing in a fight, and I was like, oh, what else can I do? Yeah, I'll headbutt. <laughs> I'd probably kick you in the nuts and, you know, bite your armpit. I'll do just about anything not to fucking lose. I got gotcha. you. So, so um, this season was where the Pat Lafontaine versus the Islanders saga came to a head, um, and there was an early early season trade. So he's the I mean he's the superstar of the team. He's one of the best players in the league, and he's just an amazing human being. Um, if you remember at the time, 
when all that was going on. Um, was was that a distraction in the locker room at all? You mean when got hurt? No, when when um, there was an issue with him in the team that eventually led to him being traded. No, I, no. I, I, are you talking about okay? So the rate, the like, Patty getting traded was not a dis- discussion. Nobody believed it. Right. Um, you know, we just like, how do you? Tra- he doesn't get traded. But right. he got traded, and it was like, holy shit, he got traded. Yeah. Um, that Ranger playoff game that he got hurt in was like a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, we had talked about that already. That's why I didn't know right. because the Lafontaine thing, obviously. So I'm only reading it in the paper. So I'm reading what the reporters are putting out there. Sure. So I don't know what's going on in the locker room. And I know Patty, Patty is really good at talking to reporters. Yeah. Like, Patty is very good at getting his message out. Yes, very much so. To this day, I still, I I, I love, I love him to death. So, um, but I didn't know like, and and he's the kind of guy that I'm sure is easy to love as a teammate. Where uh, you know maybe later on down the road you had another teammate that didn't necessarily want to come here that wasn't as lovable. So that's why I didn't know if if that affected him at all. Just uh, maybe just the uncertainty of not knowing how long he's going to be here. And like you said, who's coming back in return? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I was just. I mean, if you're asking me personally, I was disappointed that Patty left. I, I knew I knew he didn't want to go. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't think he wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um. I think he might have like been like, "Hey, whatever, trade me," thinking like they wouldn't trade him. And I mean, I don't know, like yeah. that's business, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they're like, "Okay, well, watch." Um, the return, I guess, was you know beyond what you could expect yeah. as far as talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it breaks up a team. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that that's the biggest thing, Joe, that I've always felt. Like, my favorite team was when I got called up, that 87, 88 team where Brent Sutter was the captain. Mm -hmm. There were guys I didn't like. I didn't like Greg Gilbert. Like, Mm -hmm. there were guys I just didn't like. Yeah. But there were so many guys I, like, watched and respected. Yeah. Like, Kenny Morrow could hardly walk, and yet I watched him convert into, like, something something else in an hour. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I, love, know, I so, love him. The guy's a stud. He's insane. Yeah, He's like so it was proud. amazing yeah. to watch these guys. And then, like how nice they were to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Like just, you know, like the first guy they introduced me to was, you know, Roberto. The Zamboni. Yeah, yeah, Roberto, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So the, that's like, who does that? Yeah. Like, hey, mm-hmm. come over here. You're stretching there. Come over here. You're going to come eat Roberto. Mm-hmm. No, I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat Roberto. Then like, you know, Seven years later, you're like, well, he's waiting for me to finish getting bag skated. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And he's smiling at me the whole effing time. Yep. Yep. Like, it's it was amazing. The best part about you bringing up Roberto is anyone that was around the team or the rink at that time, like, you mentioned his name, and it just put a smile on my face, like, just thinking about the time where it really was... You know, people. I, I don't think people understand necessarily that they they see New York, New York, and they think big city. But the Islanders really are part of Nassau County. I mean, the whole island sure. really it's part of the community. So people like myself that were around back then and know who Roberto is, it just you mentioning him just puts a smile on my face. Yeah, yeah. that was amazing. Yeah. And I remember, like, um, I'm like thinking if like when I get done here, I'm going to Jay Spratt for pop, you know, like a lunch <laughs> pop. 
And he just kept smiling. He's like, Miguel. <laughs> he's like, Gelato. Yeah. Gelato. I was like, get out of my way, dude. Get me off this freaking ice. I'm going for beers. Uh, it was amazing. You know. Yeah. And then he would see me the next day and he would smile. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. So, so um, obviously, Patty gets traded to Buffalo, and the yeah. team also makes another trade with Chicago, um, yeah. and bringing in all the guys. So, my favorite player out of all the new guys um, was Steve Thomas because I always sure. liked the way he played with Toronto and Chicago. Just you know, hard nosed guy could score, could fight, could hit. Yeah. Um, but really, you, you it really was almost like a third of the team was brand new. So, how did that? Was was that transition? I don't want to say seamless because there are seven new players, but it's also seven new personalities. But how did that how did that work when they all first got there? Well, Pat Flatley and much I hate to give heels credit for anything, um, and Derek King like kind of managed that whole process. So you still got like you got Vladimir uh, Malakoff, Casper. And then you got a bunch of young guys. I didn't even know who's there at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you have a transition, and it's it's going to be flats, heels, even though heels is, like, not anybody. Mm-hmm. But he's somebody. And then he turns out, turns out to be, like, the guy. Mm-hmm. And, and you got Kinger. And I think they, like, you know, they soften it. Because you got, I don't, I don't know how the lines end up that year. Yeah. Like, it's Terge, Stumpy. Kinger, mm-hmm. you know, and then I think Adam Creighton in that deal, yep. so Flats played with Crates. Um, like, so I guess you have all this adjustment, but at the end of the day, like it was really seamless, probably because flat, Flats, like Flats just, people don't think of him as like this guy, you know, that, that managed everybody, but he really did. Like he managed the whole transition from ownership to general managers, to coaches, you know, like, I, I mean, we could fast forward or reverse whatever you want to when Mike Mil- Milbury told us that we couldn't wear jerseys for a bag skate. <laughs> and Flats went into the trainer's room and said, give me those fucking jerseys or I'm going to close the door and kill you. <laughs> and the trainers yeah. just can't, like, they, they, it wasn't the, you know, the head equipment guy. It was, it was the guys, yeah. and the kids were like just handing him the flats, yeah. and he hung them in our stall. And then Mike Milbury came in after, and he like lost it, yeah. but he's you know screaming, like, "Who said you could?" Do-? And Flats goes, "Listen, I'm sorry, right? It's all me, but I've been here a while, and the one thing I do is re- I respect my jury. So you're not going to tell me I don't deserve to wear this shirt. I mean, we might suck right now or suck last night, whatever you want to say. But we're going to wear our jerseys for practice. And he walked out of the locker room. And I was like, holy shit, (laughs) fuck. Right? Like, fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love flats. I love them. So I, I, I love hearing stories about that. And obviously... You know, to the Islander captains over the years, are it's almost royalty, and he fits right in with that. So, oh my God, yeah. he had so he had so much to lose, mm-hmm. um, but he he didn't care. He didn't even blink. Yeah, you know. So that's why I, he doesn't play cards. 
uh, but I played cards with him, mm-hmm. and he smokes people. Oh yeah, and it's like I'm like that's why you never play cards because <laughs> he's like he knows, like he'll only play hands that he can win. I got gotcha. you, and he wins. It's like crazy. So, you the so far the best part of talking to you is you segue me into the, my next question so beautifully. I feel like. Uh, I feel like I'm boss and you're trots. It's just, you know, speaking of Pat Flatley, he had a highly rated television show called The Heels and Flats Show or The Flats yeah. and Heels Show. Yeah. And uh, one day, there it was interrupted by the Mick and Benny show. So I personally laugh my ass off every time I watch that like it's the first time I'm watching it. I have to know whose idea was that and how did it come about? Um, so probably somebody off the sports channel or whatever, whoever that like runs that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Hoagie, it shouldn't have been Hoagie and I, it should have been Chief and I, because we would just beat the shit up flats and nails. But I think they thought if I put Hoagie there, then we would be more, you know, circumstantial, mm-hmm. like we would be more relevant to, you know, you guys are making bad comments about the country, um, Personally, that, that's heels. Yeah, I, I just heels is obnoxious. I love him, but <laughs> I can he tell. Really was. Yeah, I can tell. He doesn't seem like he's one of your more favorite ex teammates. It's it's weird because he is. Like I yeah. love him. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, but I think like a lot of stuff. It goes back to that story where I hit him in the head, you know, on the hungover day, mm. and and it's just him ratting me out. But after that, like, I mean, there's so many times he's probably got shit on me that he just looked at me and was like, never saw it. Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Be on the ice before me. Like, he he was he's very fair. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't want to say anything about Quinn. No, so go back, go back to the show with Benny. How much fun was that? Because it seemed like you guys were having a lot of fun. Well, we were, and I just think it's ignorant of flats and hills to make fun of Western Canada. Like, mm. oh, we're just going to pave it for a parking lot. <laughs> and like, it, it's actually God's country. Yeah. Like, we don't change our clocks. Everybody else does. Mm-hmm. And I fly back occasionally with all these hunters from all over North America. And they're like, <laughs> we're going to Saskatchewan. Huh? Mm-hmm. You're from Massachusetts? I'm like, no, nah, I live in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Like um, I don't, I'm not from. But you hunt up. Oh, I go, dude. You and the stutter gotta end before we land. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. But this has to stop because mm-hmm. you're coming to God's country, and I can fix things so that nobody finds you. <laughs> and yeah. it, it is. It's like it's such God's country, and they, like they come there with guns, and they're so excited. And I, I bet, I bet they have a great experience. I really do. Yeah. Well, because you shoot the biggest game. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was out there in Regina for really what I mean. The flights got all screwed up. I ended up being out there for probably less than two days total, and I am dying to go back because I feel like there's so much that I missed. I wanted I wanted to just go around, you know, go, you know. In Saskatoon and, and just go around but I really didn't have time to see any of it other than uh, the stadium but I'm dying to go back people are so nice there it's crazy no they're nice no uh, they're worse than uh, well I don't want to say people from Quebec but you know <laughs> no to, to, 
Saskatchewan Onians are are very good people. Yeah, and you know they're in a good place now. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like the economy is thriving. Mm-hmm. So let's say ten years ago, with my parents' health health was failing, um, Saskatchewan was like, "What are we going to do? What are we going to do?" Like things suck. Mm-hmm. And then they decided, like, all right, well, we'll open up this port to oil. And then that just changed, you know, everybody from Alberta went to Saskatchewan. And they're doing what they were doing before, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, which is, you know, resourcing oil. Like, And that's awesome. Like, I really believe that's awesome. Like Saskatchewan's in the best place it's been in probably a decade. Yeah. My favorite part of the Mick and Benny show was visualizing them uh, importing the steaks from West Canada into Ontario and uh, just the meat being so old and everything like that. I, I think that was my favorite part of, uh, of the segment. So, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. And I think he also made a big deal about, like, food. That, yeah. like, and I just kept thinking, like, what are you eating fresh? Like, <laughs> like neon fucking glow in the dark. You know, like that's not a salmon. Like that's not a trout. That's just like some glow in the dark fish. Yeah. Well, Hoagie was a, Hoagie was such a uh, he's so, so good. He like he doesn't get involved with controversy with anybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, Heels and I already butted heads. Fox and I are always going to be aw- yeah. awesome. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I li- we lived in that same area, mm-hmm. um, North Shore. Yeah. And I felt like I could go to his house anytime I wanted. Yeah, he's that kind like, of guy. So. I would be at this bar called the Caddy Shack at 2 a.m. and Flats lived down the road. And I'd be like, I'm just going to go check out Flats. <laughs> and I mean, him, Liz, and they'd all be in bed. I would go in the back door, downstairs, pour my shot at his bar, turn the light on, put on Neil Diamond, mm-hmm. and stand there and like bounce and start to come down and be like, "Are we having one?" <laughs> and I was like, um, "Sorry, yes, I would like one." He's like, "Well, I appreciate you stopping by. Like, fuck, yeah. I'm so sorry." <laughs> but he never made you feel that way. Yeah. He really did. And what was your go-to Neil Diamond song? Oh, it wasn't. Um, it's not the red song. It's Rosie, Rosie Red. You know the Rosie. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the actual name of it, but I'm sure someone listening will know. But I know the song yes. I'm about. So that's so. it. That, that that would be our go-to late night. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like Rosie, Rosie Red, whatever. That, yeah. it, we just, that it would just come on and flats would correct me every fucking verse. <laughs> too. I was like, what? Because that's not the line. I'm yeah. like, whatever. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Oh, by the way, thanks for letting me in your house. <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't let you in my house. <laughs> I know. So Best uh, relationship. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. I, I Obviously, I'm seeing it from a fan perspective. And I didn't speak to Flats as much as say I spoke to you and Bomber and those guys. But the few times we did speak, he was always cool, always funny. So I yeah, could absolutely you, see you that. Think of, Joe, the thing about Flats, like, I really don't think he um, ever wants credit or wants to talk about it. You know, like, yeah. you think about Bomber, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Bomber, Bomber's very um, a- avoiding of, like, that p- 
part of his life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Which I've always, I, I've known. Yeah. And I knew it while I played with him. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, dude, this guy's not normal. But he could be like, cuckoo. Yeah. But he's definitely not like enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, like I said, I just, I knew and expected. And he still showed up yeah. and wanted to do everything. Mm-hmm. He's like, you tell me, like, what? Uh, what? What? Like, it was amazing. It yeah. really was. Yeah. Um, when it comes to flats, uh, I think he was pre- completely prepared to be captain. I think there's some guys that didn't respect um, flats as captain. Hmm. And I, I, I don't know why. Yeah. I think maybe they just didn't know. Wow. Um, that's crazy. Like the physical, the physical contribution he's made. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of things about it. Like, yeah. No, he's got fans in this house, that's for sure. Who's that, Flats? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Bomber too, obviously. So, uh, but uh, speaking of Bomber, uh, this was the season he was traded to Toronto. And uh, I think he was, uh, I know eventually he was the vice president. He may have been the vice president of the PA at the time. And I, I think that was probably a big part of why he was traded um do you agree maybe yeah i mean i mean i think the other part was um he and i were compatible mm-hmm. when it came to numbers yeah and then he made almost i don't know 200 more than i made mm-hmm. and i was on a dummy right like i'll just stay there um and not care yeah so i think it was a combination of the union mm-hmm. and the fact that you know, do you want to keep Bomber or do you want to keep Met? Right. Like, who's making 300 less and, you know, we know we can manipulate. Mm-hmm. Um, which they did. They offered me a three-year contract and yeah. I signed it. Oh, okay. So, so when um, when Bomber was there, like, not to use the tag team again, but it was, you were the two heavyweights on the team. Uh, you had been in the position before where you were the lone guy and now you're in that position again. Um so, with that being the case, do you have to change your game at all? Not change your game, but do you have to maybe think twice about doing something? Because now, if you did something in the past, Bomber was there also, um, in case something else went down. But now you're the guy, uh, really the lone guy. Um, so, do you have to do anything differently? I don't think so. <clears throat> I mean, I think I thought I was going to have to. Mm-hmm. But we went to Philly, and I still fought Dave Brown. Yeah. Right? Like. Mm-hmm. And then we go to Washington, and I still fought Craig Bruden. Yeah. Um, I think I knew, like, Bomber didn't want it as much. Um, yeah. Which I, I completely understood. Mm-hmm. But when he did fight, it was so awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, he was just reckless, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so along the lines, that's kind of how our relationship went. I never I never talked to him about fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he never asked me to do something I didn't, you know, do. Um, I think the only thing is, I was like, I love Bomber, and I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, don't hurt your hand. Like, I'll yeah. do this. Yeah. And he smiled, and he goes, well, I didn't hurt him on you. <laughs> but I was like, oh, my God, that's mm-hmm. so good. Um, yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this, was the, uh, this was the season of the Domi-Probert fights, and... Late yeah. in the season, you fought Ty again, 
And yeah. uh, you did very well in this fight. And after the fight, you lifted up your jersey, and uh, I think you were looking for the championship belt. I know you remember or, this one. Or I was just pulling up the belt on my hockey cap. <laughs> you had suspenders. No. No? No. No. I think you had suspenders. You can look again. I'm going to look again when we're done, but I think yeah. you had suspenders. I think you were looking for the gold. No. no? I think every, the reporters, everybody was like, oh, are you saying you're the champ now? I was like, this. the only belt that holds my pants up are the ones that get me to work. <laughs> All right. Jean, and I'll swear, I, I mean, I You'll see, you'll look. There's no mm -hmm. suspense. Okay. It's a belt. All right. And Let and I honestly, it was relative to Ty Ty's thing about the belt. That's what it I was, was going to say. Chap. That's what I was going to say. Is relative. Yes. Okay. But you want to know why I did it? It's like my belt holds my hockey pants up. That's it. Okay. Yeah. I would rephrase it because I would not do that. Right. Throw that out and then be like, wait, now Bob. Probert thinks right, right. I mean, yeah. it's not that I won't fight Proby. Mm -hmm. It's just like I would. I'm not that disrespectful. Right. Yeah, and that's that's what I meant. I didn't mean that you were saying you were the champ. I was I was saying in reference to what he did after the fight with Probert, where he was uh, doing the belt thing. That's what I meant strictly in a in a not a response, but in a relation to what he did. Not that. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was all relative, and yeah, it was definitely like within response to that week. Absolutely, I think he fought Proby two days earlier. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I sit there and I watch Proby pound on his head. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would have stopped. Yeah, you can't, you can't knock him out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I yeah. mean, I don't know what you can do. No, you just I keep don't. punching the back of this granite skull. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, yeah, he's a tough, and he's tough. He's absolutely tough. Yeah. So um, your last fight of the year, um, you fought Twister uh, in Quebec, and I only bring this up because this was the year that you had your career high in penalty minutes with two hundred ninety three, and I don't know how accurate this is, but that season, starting with the exhibition to that fight, um, you had thirty seven majors. So. In terms of numbers, those are pretty staggering numbers, but I think it's also pretty cool because you were there, again, the whole season. So it's like you're now established and everything. Um, so when you think about that, like, you know, again, we go back to you talking about Nor uh, North Battleford where you didn't name tag and they crossed out the name and they wrote Mike and now here you are playing in the NHL. You're putting up almost 300 pins for uh, a, a team in New York. It's got to be pretty cool. No. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember, and and I guess I don't want to say like cons uh, aware of all those statistics. Right. I mean, I believe you. Yeah. I just I don't. Um, at that time, I mean, it was so simple. Yeah. Like honestly, like the next year, I know there's going to be three guys at camp, mm -hmm. so I get to go home for I don't know four weeks, maybe six, and jump in the boat, do some, you know, water skiing, hang out with my friends from high school, and then literally there was going to be uh, a plane ticket back to New York, and all you think about from Saskatchewan to Toronto to the plane change to New York is like, I don't have a job. Yeah. Like, I have to go get a job. 
Yeah. And then you get there, and now you start reading, you know, um, Derek Laxdahl or uh, Mean Jeans Kid. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and it's like, oh, these guys are huge. And it's still, you know, not just college players, but they're huge. Yeah. Bigger than me. Was Oberlin so big? I don't know how big he was. How big was he? Who, Bennett? I mean, yeah. um, oh, I mean oh, Todd Oakland was my roommate. Yeah. He is 6'3", 235. Oh, shit. I didn't know he was that big. No, he's super tall. Yeah. Um, I don't think he was super heavy. Yeah. But yeah, though, yeah. I, I knew I knew Derek from the and he was like, you know, my size, but yeah. he could fight. Yeah. Like you just kind of like you knew it wasn't nobody was going away, mm. right? Yeah. Like so, then you walk around and now you're going to camp and then you're wondering when you now you got to look at a list, right? Mm. When do you play? Like what list do you want? Mm. And you look at your list and then you also check out their list. You're like, oh my god! So he's loading up. Yeah. Both guys playing. So there's no list, right? Right. Mm -hmm. um, well, this is part of the reason why I respect you guys so much because the the role is, you know, a guy that scores 30, 40 goals every year, his, his spot is secure. And for you guys, it's almost like you can never rest on your laurels. And not that you would. I don't. I think. The nature of the role and someone who's successful at it is someone who would never rest but you couldn't even if you wanted to because like you said for every successful season you had there's two or three new guys waiting to take your job next year and to me just the one of the mental parts of the role that I just I really admire you guys for everything that goes into it no I appreciate that John yeah. um, and I, I mean yes like you're absolutely right and it's not just directed, obviously, at me. Yeah. We have other friends that are in the, you know, uh, this type of industry. And, yeah, mm -hmm. like, if you sit there and wonder what's going to happen, my opinion is, chances are, it's going to happen. Yeah. 